0: SBS radio.
1: SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITB radio on mobile, online and on radio.
0: We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV broadcasts from. The Kamaragal people of the Gringai nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to. From the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from freshwater to saltwater.
2: Good afternoon, you're listening to NITV Radio. My name is Šiarka Pechwa, and it's my great pleasure being your host today. And today we bring you a very special edition of an ITV radio program as today, Friday 27th May is the first day of the National Reconciliation Week and yesterday was also a very important day as it was the National Sorry Day. It marks the 25th anniversary of the Bringing Them Home Report which was tabled in Parliament on 26th May 1997. This report was the result of a national inquiry into the forcible removal of indigenous children from their families, communities and culture identity. We will talk more about the stolen generations in a story brought to us by NITV's The Point. And today also marks, as I said, the beginning of the National Reconciliation Week. NITV's radio's Bertrand Tungandame spoke to a Bakingje artist, Kent Morris, about his first collaborative 3D creation, Unvanished, which opens the National Reconciliation Week in Melbourne. Unvanished will be open at Federation Square today. And in other news, Linda Burney will become the first Aboriginal woman to take the seat of Minister for Indigenous Affairs. She'll be appointed next week. The points Naralda Jacobs and John Paul Jenke spoke to the politician. So a lot lot to look forward to today. But first, here's the news for today, Friday, May 27th. Australia Day
3: 1972
4: saw the first Aboriginal embassy erected out.
5: The native title legislation must be amended.
6: And they've walked this land so
4: many times before anybody came. I am sorry.
2: Yesterday marked the National Sorry Day with events held across the country. Police policies to be examined amongst others at the inquest into the death of Kumanjai Walker. And today the National Reconciliation Week begins. Yesterday has marked National Sorry Day. It is a day of remorse and healing that seeks to recognize the ongoing impacts of the stolen generations. The proportion of Indigenous children in Australia who are in out of home care is eleven times greater than the rate of their non indigenous counterparts. Ian Ham is a Yota Yota man who was separated from his mother when he was three weeks old.
5: When you're an adopted kid and an adopted Aboriginal kid too, you know, it's kinda of like you've just popped out of nowhere. You just you've just blinked into existence because you have no backstory, you have no background, you have nothing. To find your story, to find your connection, that, that was an incredibly important moment in my life.
2: All around the country yesterday, First Nations Australians came together to commemorate National Sorry Day. This year also marks 25 years since the Bringing Them Home report was tabled in Parliament, which is catalogued the shocking removal of Indigenous children from their families. This Ochiuzia reports for NITV News.
1: For some, they're memories that will never go away. The state sanctioned removal of children until as late as the 1960s, continuing to impact thousands around the country the themes of reflection and healing reverberated around subdued ceremonies like this one. For Auntie Cleone Quayle, who says she was abused in foster care, the trauma remains. It's taken my whole life to heal. You know, I, I hate it when we've been asked to forgive or to get over it or to move on. Um, often you have to unlearn learnt behaviour. First Nations people have come out at events like this one around the country, many of them among the more than 30,000 survivors of the Stolen Generations. 25 years after the Bringing Them Home report, the lessons for the next generation are just as important.
3: from
7: our mother's breast, said this is for the best.
1: Students invited to listen in Perth. In Melbourne, culture was maintained through dance. While in Darwin, elders came together to share their stories.
2: Marjorie Napaldiori Winfield is a Stone generation survivor. She says the memories still haunt her.
6: I live with it all my life. It's, it's like a disease. I just cannot get
3: rid of it.
2: Also Bernadette Shields is a Stone generation survivor.
3: Nothing will ever make up for it, but at least they are saying that they, a wrong was done to us through no other fault except the colour of our skin.
1: Today also marks five years since 250 Indigenous delegates gathered to endorse the Uluru Statement from the Heart, a landmark document laying the roadmap for constitutional recognition and a voice to Parliament.
2: Linda Burney, the incoming Minister for Indigenous Australians, says the Labour Party supports and accepts the Uluru Statement from the Heart.
3: The Labour Party, of course, is fully accepting of all of the elements of the Uluru Statement.
1: A new government bringing renewed hopes for the healing to continue. Taisok Yuzi, NITV News.
2: Police, drug and alcohol policies, training, discipline and the use of force will be all examined at the inquest into the death of Kumanjai Walker. The 19-year-old was shot and killed by Northern Territory Police Officer Zachary Rolfe in the community of Yindemu in 2019. Michael Park reports for NITV News.
7: Koemanjai Walker died after he was shot three times by Constable Rolfe during an attempted arrest. The police officer was charged with murder, but acquitted after a five-week trial. An inquest will be held in Alice Springs later this year. At a preliminary hearing today, the coroner offered her condolences. We are genuinely seeking to understand and give a voice to your grief and loss and hopes for the future. And everyone here is working together in the hope of finding a better way forward. Counsel Assisting the Coroner, Peggy Dwyer, has spent the past few days in Moo talking to the community. She said the inquest would consider seven major issues, including why Constable Rolfe's team was sent to the community in the first place and why they were armed with military-style assault weapons. This is not a commission of inquiry into Constable Rolfe. The focus is on the Northern Territory Police Force response to issues identified in recruitment, training and responses to complaints of excessive use of force. The police investigation that led to Constable Rolfe being charged within days of the shooting will also be examined. Is there evidence that the fairness or efficiency of the investigation by the Northern Territory Police Force was in any way compromised or impaired? Drug and alcohol policies on the force are also under the spotlight. The brief of evidence includes more than 12,000 documents and recordings. A draft witness list has also been finalised but not released. It's not yet known whether Zachary Rolfe will be called to give evidence again. The inquest is set down for September.
2: Today marks the start of National Reconciliation Week. In Mianjin, Brisbane, a smoking ceremony and breakfast was held at a state parliament yesterday morning, the first of many events said to be held across the country. The theme of Reconciliation Week this year is Be Brave, Make Change. Murray say it's a message that especially applies to governments. Danielle Arbu is a Reconciliation Queensland Indigenous co-chair. She told NITV News that is the only way to reconcile Australia is that the voice of Indigenous people is heard.
6: What I would say is please allow our voice to be part of that change with them. That is, that's so important. Um, let our elders speak, let me speak, let our youth coming through speak and only then can we be a Reconciled Australia.
2: Dr Jackie Huggins is a former Reconciliation Australia co-chair. Her message to governments is to listen what First Nations people have to say and action.
6: Well the message is
1: all governments get behind us, start the process, we're in a different space now, listen and action every word and sit around the table with us, that's reconciliation to me. It's about recognition, justice and healing.
2: Religious organizations have spearheaded a joint resolution calling for bipartisan action on a referendum on a First Nation's voice to the federal parliament. Today marks five years since the call for a voice was made by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders in the Uluru Statement from the heart. And it's also 55 years since the 1967 referendum that gave First Nations Australians the right to vote. The new Labour government has made it clear that holding a referendum on the demands of the Uluru Statement will be one of its top priorities, but it's unclear if a rigid coalition will support it in opposition. Religious groups, including from Anglican, Islamic, Jewish, Hindu, Sikh and Uniting Church denominations, have come together to support the demands of the Uluru Statement. In a keynote speech launching the joint resolution, indigenous filmmaker Rachel Perkins asks for all Australians to follow their lead.
3: Today, Australian religious communities
0: join with Australians indigenous communities to send a message to our political leaders. Open your hearts. We want to talk with you about this in good faith. We want to work with you to make national unity a reality i urge us all to follow the example of these religious organizations that they have set
2: and to sport now and in tennis russian world number two daniel medvedev is through to the third round of the french open after defeating serbia's laszlo Djere in straight sets he will now meet the number 28 seed miomir Kecmanovic also of Serbia, Emil will overtake Novak Djokovic as the world number one if he makes it to the final at Roland Garros. Addressing the media after the match, Medvedev also commented on the ban of Russian athletes at the upcoming Wimbledon tournament.
1: My main job is to, to play tennis, try to get points here as much as I can. Again I'm, not, I'm going to repeat again, if I can play Wimbledon, we'll be happy to be there Even without points, with points, we'll be happy to be there and try to get some points. If I cannot play, I'm going to stay home, practice hard and try to be better for my next tournaments. Um, Yeah, that's all I have to say right now.
2: And let's have a look at today's weather. Broome is mostly sunny with the tops of 33 degrees. Perth partly cloudy and 24. Adelaide shower or two and 17. Melbourne, possible early shower and 16. Hobart is partly cloudy with 14 degrees. Albury-Wodonga showers with the tops of 17. Canberra, there's a possibility of fog and showers increasing 17 degrees. Sydney, early fog and then partly cloudy with tops of 21. Newcastle, pretty much the same and mostly sunny during the day and 21 degrees. Brisbane, a shower or two and 24 degrees. Townsville, sunny with the tops of 28 sunny and 28 degrees as well. Darwin, similar conditions and 34 degrees. Ali Springs is also sunny and tops of 25. And Torres Strait Islands today are sunny with some high clouds and 30 degrees. You're listening to NITV Radio. Coming up in the show, we have an interview with Kent Morris, parkinger artist, about his exhibition that starts today in Melbourne, opening the Reconciliation Week. But first, here's our first song today. Here's a Byron Bay musician, activist, and passionate gardener, Jungon woman Naidela, and her song said too much. Nidella N. said too much. Unvanished is a new artwork from Barkinger artist Kent Morris and his first collaborative 3D creation. Unvanished will be opened at Federation Square today at a special event featuring Shanotai Batske performing Deborah Chitam's musical acknowledgement of country, Long Time Living. Kent Morris spoke to NITV radio's Bertrand Tungandame about his artwork and about reconciliation.
8: My guest is Barkinje artist Kent Morris, who doesn't need an introduction anymore as he's featured in our program several times already. However, I must say that Kent's art practice explores identity, connection to place and the continuing evolution of cultural practices whilst engaging audiences to question long-held frames of reference. And this will shine in his new art installation, Unvanished and that installation we're about to explore together. Welcome to NITV Radio, Kent.
5: Thanks Bertrand, it's fantastic to be back, and it's always good to get one of your lovely introductions, my brother.
8: It's great having you again on our show, in the sidelines of the launch of Unvarnished, the first collaborative 3D work that uh, you're presenting, actually.
5: Yes, it's pretty exciting. As you know, most of my works are based on my digital photographic and, and video practice, so this is a really exciting moment to to bring it to life in three dimensions and working with so many extraordinary creative people to realize this large work for Reconciliation Week.
8: Now, this new and unique art installation is a collaboration between you and other non-Indigenous creators weaving different techniques, uh, technologies, in a multi-sensory dimension. Uh, Quite a lot of stuff going on there.
5: (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) it's got all the bells and whistles, this one, so it's a really major work. James Henry who's an extraordinary uh, you know, multidisciplinary sound designer. He's uh, created this extraordinary musical work that flows and looks at, you know, from our, our cultural and creation from time immemorial and then, the, you know, the impacts of colonisation and then how we kept our culture strong and how we need to find a, a better balance, you know, than we currently have. You've got Studio John Fish that's doing an, an amazing array of, Events and, and experiences that utilize yes high technology and, and lighting and lighting design and this one's going to have also augmented reality so Fourier will be putting together an augmented reality filter where you can use your device in relation to the large sculptural work and experience digital additions, you know in virtual space So all
8: the senses would be titiated by all this artistic and technological marvel by uh, different uh, creators but coming back to your specific creations, there's always a depiction of country, native landscapes, and um, native animals, especially birds.
5: Yes, absolutely. And this is a, you know, a continuation and a development of that practice where you know, birds interacting with the built environment and to the changes to, to their environments and how. The negative impacts on their environments and how much they have to now try and survive and interact in the built and urban environments and what that means so the large pool of water that's there that that six meter wide pool of water is to really find some reflection time and to to think about our position in the world and to think of it more from a first nations perspective about how important it is to care for country and to care for the the interconnectedness and the importance of all things, including our our beautiful native birds, which are the oldest on the planet. 53 million years ago, the pigeon, parrot and songbird families that are around the world originated here. And this is something that we know that but, but, uh, Western Science only really uh, verified a few years ago. And so our creation stories and a lot of our thoughts and ideas, totems and relationships obviously centre around our extraordinary birds. They're highly organised, they're very vocal, they're highly intelligent. And we as first nations people see them as very connected to us and that we need to care not only for them but for all living things and to readjust the way we're currently going in the world because things are we're going in the wrong direction in terms of care for country
8: yeah as you stated this artwork is a uh, quite massive six meters by four with a uh, visual and uh, sound uh, scapes but there's also another dimension, the dimension of time uh, in space and uh, the continuity between past, present uh, and uh, future. Can you tell us a little bit more about this uh, representation of time in space?
5: Look, it, it is a really large work and fortunately, Cine art Studios are constructing it. And you know, Roger Mitchell has worked on large works by James Terrell, the sky spaces that people might know, not only at, at the Canberra National Gallery of Australia, but around the world and around large work by the extraordinary Jonathan Jones. So it's great to have uh, Sydney Art and Roger on board. The idea around, you know, this is one of those things we have around continuity, cultural continuity, and that the past, the present and the future are extremely important in how we care for all of those aspects, really. The truth of the past. How are we working for reconciliation in the present? And what are we doing? How are our actions... Guaranteeing or putting in place a safe and sustainable future for our kids, their grandkids, their grandkids. You know, it's this time immemorial. It's the fact that we are here as caretakers and custodians of the land. We need to look back at what happened originally. That beautiful care and country of the country and sustainability and balance. Then, of course, we're way out of balance in the present. We're way out, so far out of balance that we're having, you know, catastrophic natural events consistently. And this is impacting again, that impacts even more negatively on country. You think of the bushfires and the floods, the amount of our native animals and and forest areas that are then destroyed further, creating more negative impacts. How are we addressing that? How can we incorporate First Nations knowledges, ideas, and, and beliefs to stem this tide of destruction? And then what are we all doing to create a positive future for the generations to come, not just thinking about our place in the present, but our impacts on the future and, of course, our reflections on the past.
8: Now, you just mentioned something very important. It's not just uh, the artistic aspect. There are also some uh, lessons to be learned in terms of uh, looking after country. And uh, this just sparked a question, looking back at uh, especially the recent times we've gone through. Uh, we're just emerging out of a pandemic. But before that, and uh, more recently, we've had devastating bushfires uh, and uh, floods. Uh, was your country affected by the recent events?
5: Well, look, we now have the Barker. So, the Barkanji people, our lifeblood is the Barker, the Darling River, which has been mismanaged and misused for so many so many decades. Um, thank goodness. You know, but whilst you have now a healthy river system, you know the Menindi Lakes are full and the Barker's running as it should always be. Of course, in other areas, you've got severe damage and destruction. So, again, it's around balance. It's around sustainability. We need to find a way that to care for country across the board and not have you know debilitating droughts and misuse of water systems and all of the elements around that and then conversely, the destruction of major water events that happen. So I think that the pool of water that surrounds the sculpture is, is circular. So it's like a meeting place for people to come and to gather and, and, again, to think and reflect around our position here, now, and the elements of, you know, earth, sky and water. The sky is reflected in that water. We're in between, you know, as, as, as people and as living, living organisms. We're in between, but we're here for only a brief period of time. So we need to trying to think more broadly around the ongoing nature of country, the ongoing nature of culture and history, and to think of the future and the past and adjust our actions in the present.
8: And coming back to
5: Unvarnished,
8: uh, it is a multi-sensory d- and uh, multi-dimension art installation. Is, uh, the ta- is it the type where one needs those uh, VR d- devices?
5: There's no... Um, yeah, you know, it's not virtual reality where you need to put on a headset or anything. The the augmented reality through your, through your device, through your phone or through your tablet, that's all you need to experience, this extra layer that adds quite a spectacular moment um, for the work. But also, night and day, it, it'll change in terms of the way the lighting is programmed. Even the lighting in the square will um, accentuate this idea of, of presence and continuity of First Nations culture.
8: Yeah, I agree that... Uh... It's not an event where you need those uh, funny-looking devices.
5: (laughs) No, you don't. No, it's that just bring your phone or your tablet and you're good to go. I
8: I think it's a good concept that people can participate and enjoy the artwork, uh, whether during the day or at night, throughout the duration of um, this uh, installation. And uh, especially that everyone has got a phone nowadays with them all the time. It's a 24-hour experience.
5: Yeah, yeah, for people to come and... experience and enjoy and and, and contemplate sometimes in busy moments sometimes in quiet moments and just depending when you've you've got access if you're working early or working late it'll always be there as our culture is always here embedded in country to be there for for conversations and dialogue and for for sharing.
8: And uh, finally let's talk about uh, the launch it's one of the highlights uh Uh, It'll be a quite spectacular event with performance and music. Uh, Can you tell us a word or two about uh, the launch of Unvanished?
5: Yes, this is really exciting. And everyone's invited to come along to that opening event on Friday, 27th of May at 6 p.m. You've got the extraordinary performance of of Deborah Cheaton's musical Acknowledgement of Country, which is called Long Time Living Here by Shantae Bach. And you've got guest speakers, the the incredible Kimberly Moulton, Yorta Yorta Woman from Victorian Museums. I'll be there. I'll probably say a few words here and there. Um, we've got the Wurundjeri Women's dance for Jiri Jiri, and, of course, the extraordinary soundscape and lighting of the the sculpture. So it'll be a wonderful event for Reconciliation Week, and everyone's invited to come along for the launch of this quite extraordinary sculpture that'll be there for 10 or so days. And then our our challenge and our our, our hope and desire is that a permanent home will be found for this extraordinary work, and
8: Vanished is being launched in the spirit of Reconciliation Week 2022, whose theme is "Be Brave, Make Change."
5: Yeah, absolutely, and that, harks back to again, reshaping, rethinking our relationship to the world from a from a First Nations perspective, taking on our thoughts, ideas, philosophies, and concepts in a in a more meaningful way, so we can have that, uh, you know, improved future for everybody. Yeah reconciliation week it's really about about actions and and how we can create change as a community and really sharing stories and experiences promoting change there needs to be a greater incorporation of first nations knowledges philosophies and experiences into our everyday lives and this will what is what will bring reconciliation and and we're all a part of that and i think you know, First Nations communities and around the, the country are, are providing those those opportunities, those thoughts and beliefs and, and access points. It, it's just taking the next step. Everyone just taking that next step and understanding that this is a, a thing of great benefit for our country and for all of us together, you know.
8: Kent Morris, Thank you very much. It has been a great pleasure talking to you about uh, Unvanished, a groundbreaking 3D art installation launching in the context of Reconciliation Week 2022.
0: Thanks, Petron. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
2: You're listening to NITV Radio and now to the historic federal election and the change in government. The votes are still being counted, but Australia has a new prime minister and Labour is closer to forming a majority government, promising big changes on First Nations issues. The points Narelda Jacobs brought a summary of what the new government may bring.
0: New Prime Minister Anthony Albanese wasted no time in making the Uluru Statement from the Heart a top priority.
5: I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet. I pay my respect to their elders past, present and emerging and on behalf of the Australian Labor Party, I commit to the Uluru Statement from the Heart.
0: the election has monumentally changed Australia's political landscape, with Labor on track for a majority in Parliament, as well as a record number of Greens and Independents elected. Significantly, this Parliament represents a big leap forward for diversity, with 10 First Nations representatives from a range of parties. Their ranks won't include former Minister for Indigenous Australians Ken Wyatt, who failed to get re elected leaving incoming country Liberal Party Senator Jacinta Price as the only First Nations voice in the coalition. Prime Minister Albanese has been holding meetings with world leaders in Japan. The rest of his cabinet, including incoming Minister for Indigenous Australians Linda Burney, will be officially sworn in next week. NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online.
2: Verger woman Linda Burney joined NITV's flagship program The Point on Tuesday. The upcoming Labour's Minister for Indigenous Affairs spoke to Naralda Jacobs and John Paul Jenke. Linda Burney will become the first ever female minister for Indigenous Australians.
4: Linda, firstly, congratulations to you. What will it mean to you personally when you are sworn in next week as the first ever female minister for Indigenous Australians?
3: It will be... A moment that I will remember forever. Uh, It will be a moment for all the struggle that our people have been through and it will be a moment for the people of Barton who elected me with a thumping majority last Sunday, in fact an increased majority. That's incredible, uh, Minister. You, you are a, a,
0: a woman of first, the, the first Aboriginal woman in the House of Representatives and the first Aboriginal woman in Cabinet, um, but you've got some company there. There are six representatives in the Labor caucus. How significant is that and what sort of difference
3: will it make? It just makes my heart sing. Uh, six First Nations people in the Labor Party caucus including Marion Scrimgeour from Lingiari uh, that was declared today and of, of course Dr Gordon-Reed from uh, the seat of Robertson. Uh, we have Jana Stewart who is uh, filling the casual vacancy left by the very sad passing of Kimberly Kitchens um, and of course we have Patrick Dodson, Malindiri, McCarthy and myself.
4: And, Minister, the Prime Minister has made it clear that a referendum on a voice to Parliament is a top priority. What are the next steps?
3: The Prime Minister, as you said, who is in Japan right now, has also talked about uh, bringing people together, about what the values of the Labor Party are and about the fact that, as Australians, we can do things Better together. Uh, The next steps in terms of the referendum uh, is me having a discussion with the Prime Minister uh, about his vision uh, and where he sees things going, making sure that I consult with my cabinet, uh, the caucus that I'm a part of, and the First Nations Caucus Committee. It also will, will require. Uh, discussions right across this country uh, with people that have been working on the Uluru Statement for five years. Can you believe it, both of you, that this is the fifth anniversary since the Mm. Uluru Statement and we've seen very little Mm. happen? Mm. Uh, But uh, the real point is that we've got to build a consensus. We've got to build support for a referendum and uh, put the mechanics in place to have a referendum, which requires legislation. And, Minister, what about any opposition that you're likely
0: to encounter? It's looking likely that Peter Dutton will step into the role of opposition leader. Now, given he's in that camp of coalition MPs who describe the voice to parliament as a third
3: chamber, uh, are you concerned he could influence the vote? Well, you know as well as I that it is not a third Mm. chamber. It's uh, a very generous and, as Anthony said, a patient request uh, for an advisory group. Um, I still hold out hope that the opposition will come on board for a bipartisan approach. We'll obviously be talking to the crossbench and the Greens Uh, to make sure that we can arrive at a consensus on a way forward. That's really important. Leadership from the Parliament and a demonstration to the Australian people that this is a time uh, of change and this idea is of the time. It is
4: of the time. But, Minister, as we mentioned earlier, Jacinta Price will be the only Indigenous MP in the opposition. And she says the voice to parliament is an empty gesture. How much of an obstacle will that be?
3: Look, it's not an empty empty gesture. I cannot describe to you how many messages uh, from all over Australia, in fact, internationally, uh, that we've received in the last two or three days. Just so happy that finally we're going to have... Uh, recognition of First Peoples in the Australian Constitution. The issues that Jacinta raises are very important and the Labor Party agenda uh, going forward is not just about the voice. It's about addressing all the closing the gap targets that have been identified. It's about creating an ambassador position for an Aboriginal person so that there can be an Aboriginal view over international um, discussions. It's about protecting Aboriginal copyright. It's about 500 new Aboriginal health workers into Aboriginal medical services. It's about um, infrastructure for Aboriginal medical services. It's about Indigenous ranges. It's about a whole range of things, including a very sizeable sum of money for justice reinvestment to keep young Aboriginal people out of juvenile justice. It is a massive agenda. And it's also about protecting women and children um, and making sure that we have a standalone Aboriginal women's strategy uh, going forward.
4: Minister, that is a huge agenda on your plate. I want you to look forward in three years. How do you think Australia is going to be different in three years' time?
3: Well, I hope in three years, there will be that recognition in the constitution. Uh, And remember, uh, John Paul, what Uluru is about. It's about three things. It is about that constitutionally enshrined voice. It's also about the establishment of a Makarata Commission, which would have a role in a national process of truth-telling and a role in a national negotiation about agreement and treaty-making. That last thing is a long, complex exercise, and I hope within three years, as a nation, we're well on the way with that, that endeavour. Uh, taking, of course, into consideration what is happening in states and territories. Mm.
0: Mm. Linda Burney, it was only last week you were sitting here with us in the studio, JP, as the Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians. (laughs) (laughs) And now you are the first Aboriginal woman in the Cabinet uh, for the portfolio of Indigenous Australians. So, Minister, thank you so much for your time uh, on the, on, uh, The Point and we hope to be speaking to you down the track. Thank you so
2: much. That was NITV's Naralda Jacobs and John Poljenki talking to the upcoming Minister for Indigenous Australians, Linda Burney. Now, yesterday was a sorry day. Before listening to the story of stolen generation survivors b- brought to us by NITV's flagship programme The Point, here is a song by Archie Roach, took the children away.
7: The story's right, the story's true. I would not tell lies to you That the promises they did not keep
2: That was Archie out and took the children away.
0: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
2: Yesterday marked 25 years since the Bringing Them Home report was first tabled in Federal Parliament, giving the voice to the experiences of stolen generation survivors. The report made 54 recommendations, including reparations for survivors. While most states and territories have introduced a system to compensate survivors, state governments in Western Australia and Queensland are yet to act. In the lead-up to the 25th anniversary, survivors were calling for commitment to compensation and to acknowledge the wrongdoings of the past. The Point's national correspondent, Kira Jenkins, reports. Wilman and Noongar man Tony or Tonji Hansen is
6: a stolen generation survivor. He was removed from his mother when he was just three years old and placed in Marybank Baptist Mission, near Katanning, almost 300 kilometres south of Perth. 52 years on, it still haunts him.
9: Our families are, are living and walking with this trauma that they're faced with all their life. Growing up and being forcibly removed from their families and placed into institutions and not having any contact. Losing their culture, their identity and being placed into these institutions to live and grow up as white people with the white people's policies and practices of the days.
6: Today he's at the black cockatoo feathers erected in Perth to acknowledge the experiences of stolen generation survivors like himself. He says there are many others still impacted by their brutal childhood experiences.
9: The people that we see today and we work with, you know, sadly, the trauma is embedded in their life forever.
6: This week is the 25th anniversary of the Bringing Them Home report being tabled in federal parliament. Professor Steve Larkin says it was the first time survivors had their stories publicly acknowledged.
9: What that report did was to formally put on the record the experiences of uh, Stolen Generation members in being removed as children from their families. And it also documents in quite detail their testimonies as to the the abuse that they suffered um, during that time.
6: While most states and territories have introduced systems to compensate survivors, members of the Stolen Generations in Western Australia and Queensland don't have any such recourse. Reparations was a key recommendation of the Bringing Them Home report. 25 years on, Professor Larkin says redress is long overdue.
9: The alarm clock on the bedside table's going off, you know. These governments have slept in. It's time to wake up and time to act. I think these people have been more than patient. In fact, it's overdue and they're entitled and they're deserving. Yesterday's gone, tomorrow's too far away. It's time to act now.
6: Tony says he's disappointed there's no redress scheme for survivors in his state. The worst in the country for forcible child removals.
9: I think it's very sad considering, you know, West Australia was the worst state in forcible child removal of Aboriginal people in this country. We're the worst state, we had a hundred more institutions than any other state or territory and they were the policies of the former Chief Protector A.O. Neville, known as Neville the Devil.
6: He wants action before it's too late.
9: Sadly, in this state, you know, our people are dying. Our people are dying and it's, it really saddens my heart to know that it, the state is not doing anything about it, government is not coming to the table. It's sad to know that survivors are you know, taking whatever uh, reparation they can get because they know that their time on this earth is finished and they have a, lot, a very short space before they sadly pass away. We cannot continue to wait while our people are dying.
6: On Thursday's anniversary, Tony and the Healing Foundation in Western Australia will launch a petition calling on the Western Australian Government to finally begin a process for a redress scheme. Survivors in Queensland are campaigning for the same.
9: I think it's an acknowledgement to say, we as Government, we have done the wrong things in the past and we want to write the rights moving forward and we want to have a better relationship with the most disadvantaged people in our communities today and that is the Stolen Generation
0: people. NITV Radio, on radio, online and mobile.
2: To hear more stories, head to our webpage, sbs.com.au. And let's finish on a good note, and quite literally, with a healing song. Here's the last song for today with beautiful Christine Anu and Philly, and their song called Heal Together. You are listening to NITV Radio and my name is Šiarka Pechová and it was my great pleasure being your host today. Have a great weekend ahead and we will be back on Monday.
6: Tomorrow when our culture belongs
2: We're gonna be strong Our spirit is strong Tomorrow when my people belong We're going to see change. Yes,
3: we will know change.
0: Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from.